Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. Afternoon, everybody. It's me, your host, Gene, here again with another debrief episode. I've got some stuff from all over the internet this time. Uh, some things I've been kind of filing away and sticking in the old uh, podcast inspiration drawer for you. So let's see what you think. Going through my list here, we've got uh, how to use the 80-20 rule to lead a happier life by Alvin Ang. And I've started following this guy. He's he's a martial artist and a writer. He's I've watched his his posts go from, you know, just whatever to like being in all these uh sponsored spaces on Medium and he's got some really good stuff. Um so this one uh 80-20 rule. It's based on the Pareto principle. Um, uh, Tim Ferriss famously put this in his uh, four-hour workweek book, which uh, is an interesting, an interesting read as well. Uh, Tim Ferriss is an interesting guy. He's got a great podcast, and the four-hour workweek book is kind of what put him on the map. Um, it's not really about what it sounds like, uh, and there's even an interesting story about how he found the title for that book, but that's not really it. But the concept is that uh, roughly 80% of effect comes from 20% of the causes. So that's usually good or bad. So like in a company, you know, a company of 10 people, basically all the work is done by about two people. (laughs) All the bad things that you have stress and anxiety over is usually caused by about 20% of the overall things. Um, Interesting, right? Uh, That knife cuts both ways. It's usually... A concept applied in uh, entrepreneurship, like startup culture and stuff, which I think is where you know we get it entered by Tim Ferriss. But you can apply it to your own happiness in daily life. So Alvin's uh, things here, he's, he's got just like two points that he makes, and, and they're good, and I'll pull those out for the post as well. But find one or one to three things that make you the most unhappy, and eliminate them without mercy. Find one to three things. So first off, he's keeping it simple. Just a couple of things. And then he's continuing to keep it simple. Eliminate without mercy. Right? So, in order to truly be happy, Right? We have to eliminate the things that make us suffer. And generally speaking, most of the time, we humans spend our time trying to avoid suffering. You know, and I don't mean like you know, torture. I mean like mental suffering. Like we, we avoid the things that cause us worry and anxiety. So... Here's the question from the post. What are 
one to three things in your life that are causing you the most pain and discomfort. First, find out what they are, and then work to eliminate them. I gotta think that at least the work to eliminating them will probably alleviate most of your anxiety and worry, just the work itself. And then, of course, like, you know, the actualization of that will get there. So, his list here excessive social media usage, lack of control at work, poor family relationships, poor interpersonal relationships, overanalyzing past mistakes. I mean, there's lots of stuff. And I think a lot of us, like him, he himself realized most of his stress came from just a couple of unhealthy relationships. So you cut him out of your life. Whatever, right? I'll tell you a story about employees. Uh, I've run a couple of companies in my time of working for myself. I've worked for myself for, God, 17 to 20 years, um, and I've had all sorts of uh, employees work for me and had different size businesses. And You know, I, I, I had this one employee that really caused a lot of stress for me and anxiety just by who they were. And, you know, I struggled with uh, what to do and kept looking at myself and kept trying to change the way we think, do things at the business and stuff, and, and nothing was ever right. Nothing ever made this person happy. And ultimately, um, I didn't outright fire them, but we, you know, we we just kind of, however it worked out, they left. Um, it wasn't like firing. It wasn't me asking them to leave. It wasn't me suggesting that they leave necessarily. It just they felt it, and I felt it, and then you know just kind of moved on. And ever since then. I mean, when that happened, after that, it was like, you know, just immediate relief, right? I've done that with clients as well. I've had clients in the past that, I mean, they just, you're worried about losing a client, but they just, you know, uh, just cause all this strife every day. And then, you know, you cut them out, and then it's great, and you don't mind doing work for the other clients and things, and it's just great. So, uh, like he says here, before you diagnose yourself with depression or low self-esteem, first make sure that you are not, in fact, surrounded by assholes. That is a great quote. I am going to cut that out and put it in the the notes here um, because I think it's great. (laughs) Um, The true quote. It is wise, not weak, to first remove any annoying pebbles in your shoe before embarking on the lifelong pursuit of happiness. (laughs) It is not the daily increase, but the daily decrease. Hack away at the unessential. And he's right, you know. Find out one of those one to three pain points in your life are. You know. Work on it. Focus unabashedly on one to three things that make you happy. So the antithesis to that, right? Um, so here's the thing. Let's say you work on some stuff and, you know, you freed up some, you freed up some time and you've got some time every day. Let's say you have a couple hours every day now, you know, whatever you just have some time or, you know, you have the space in your life for something. So don't fall into traps, right? Don't, you know, 
doing things that make you feel sort of okay, but they're not really building on anything. They're not building your happiness, right? Like scrolling mindlessly on social media for hours at a time, right? It feeds that dopamine thing that you need, but it's not, you're not doing anything. You're not using, you're literally spending your time just evaporating your time. You know, just watching lots of Netflix, going to movies because everyone's watching, you know, binging on that stuff, you know. Hang, just hanging with people that you don't necessarily like. You know, they're not on your list, but whatever. And you're just doing that, right? Or spending every weekend, like, partying or spending every weekend just doing not really worthwhile things. I'm not going to say worthless things, but just, like, not worthwhile things when you could have spent it doing the things that you identify as making you happy. Don't occupy yourself with mediocre things. Occupy yourself with things you truly enjoy and things that are additive. For me, it's martial arts. I mean, if I have free time, I want to train. I want to learn. If I have free time, I study. Right? I mean, it could be something as simple as training your dog. Actually, like if you love your dog and that you have time to spend with your, your, your pet, maybe go get it actually professionally trained. Do it together. Like in the article, maybe you're, maybe it's playing Dungeons and Dragons with your friends, right? I mean, with your true friends. Bring contentment to your life. It's good things. It's a good article. I'll link it up. Read the whole thing. It's pretty good. All right. One of these is not complete without our Mark, Mark Manson Instagram. And this one's a good one. How to give advice without being a condescending asshole. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. One, make sure the person actually wants it. Like, man, come on, don't be a know-it-all. Don't be the person that's just always telling people what to do. Don't give unsolicited advice. You can tell in a conversation when someone's just venting. Don't be the type of person that has to fix the problem. You don't have to fix it. Sometimes being a good friend is just listening and being. Number two, make sure you actually know what the hell you're talking about. Um, He says the biggest sin in advice giving is giving someone advice and you don't know, you don't have the proper experience yourself. He who thinks he knows everything learns nothing, right? I mean, if you don't know what you're talking about, why are you giving advice on the topic? You know, I mean, you're, you're just, you're making shit up. I mean, that's just a fundamental issue. Number three, meet them where they are, not where you are. 
I'll read this exactly because this is a pretty good one. It's difficult for many of us to step outside of ourselves and to imagine the place others may be stuck in. Many of us have the tendency to project our own issues and successes onto others even when it's not warranted. Giving advice based on your life situation and not theirs is ineffective and at best and embarrassing at worst. It's, I mean, it can be bragging, right? Um, you know, if, if they're your friend especially, or if they're coming to you and they're talking to you, you've, you've got to meet them where they are. Um, so let me think of an example. Uh, like, like health and fitness. Let's say you're a fairly fit person, fairly healthy. You've got some good discipline, some good habits built. And somebody, they're like, how do you do it? How do you look good? How do I look good like you? Or how do I do it? I struggle. I need advice. And you tell them, it's just discipline. Just get up and do it, you know, or just eat less. You know, while that may be true, it's not that easy. You know, they're starting at ground zero. You know, for that person, maybe getting up 30 minutes early is hard or maybe not snacking is hard. Whatever. I'm just, whatever, you know. But just because you solved it your way doesn't necessarily mean they're going to solve it the way you did. So try to meet them where they are, not where you are. Number four, psychoanalysis is not advice. It's condescending. Um, you, so here's an example of this, right? So you ever said, well, you're the type of person that, well, you know what your problem is. It's this. You ever said those things to somebody? I mean, I probably have, um, I'm embarrassed if I have, but, uh, it's not really what it's about. You know, you're not trying to, you know, like, (laughs) like psychoanalyze them. You just need to listen. Um, <laughs> right. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Just don't try to be a psychiatrist. If you are, so number five, criticize their actions, not their character. Anybody who's grown up with super critical parents knows what it's like to be judged on who you are, not what you've done, right? Love the sin or hate the sin. The actions of a person are often different from their intentions, right? So if someone's doing something, you you don't want to say, you're doing this because you're a bad person. That basically is what you're, you know, if you're if you're questioning their character. Like, take weight loss, for example. You keep cheating on the diet. It's not because you're a terrible human being and you're a giant fat slob. <laughs> you're, you're cheating on the diet because you have other issues. Like you're using food to uh, fulfill some happiness. Right, so it's the action of the thing, not the person that does it. Criticize their actions, not their character. 
the ability to give someone advice is a, should be treated as a gift. You should give advice unconditionally, whether they follow it or not. Um, you should be willing to help someone just for the sake of wanting to help. If you are gi- actually giving advice, it, it should be, on its own, a gift. You should not expect <laughs> advice back at a later time. You should not expect uh, you know, an, a higher level of friendship back later of any kind. You should not be upset if they don't use it. They don't really have a responsibility to do what you say. Right? You're not telling them what to do. That's not advice. You're just being a bosser. Now, the flip side of that is there are what I've I've seen, but I use the term ask holes. And you have to beware of these people. They're they're more someone you might want to put in the uh, camp of the first, the, the Alvin Ang post that I just talked about. People that might suck from you. Um, you know, that person that's always asking you what you think and then never heeds any of your advice, you know. They're just always coming to you. And it's more of the type of person that wants to, they begin to get something out of being identified as the person who's always in peril. You know, there's that person that always needs to be saved. You know, that's how they're getting attention. You you might want to cut those people out. They're like a time and advice vampire. They're actually pulling your life energy out of you. So that's the other side of that. But to truly be in a good place, you know, check out Mark Manson's Instagram post and do all that stuff. Here's another one. Uh, this guy, uh, I think his name is John Kim. He's the angry therapist. What would you? What advice would you give someone entering their thirties? <laughs> and uh, I think I'm in a decent place for this because I've lived through the entire decade of my thirties, and I'm now out of them. I'm approaching living through my decade of my forties. God, I'm old. <laughs> So, first slide he's got is stop tracing blueprints passed on to you from society, parents, an older version of yourself. <laughs> Happily ever after is bullshit. Happy takes work and doesn't hang on finding love. It requires you to have a healthy relationship with yourself. That's right. And I think, you know, they talk about the midlife crisis. And you might not want to think of yourself as that way. But when you're in your 30s, mid-30s in particular, it's kind of where you are. And kind of what happens is you've lived a while on the planet, you know, maybe you have a family, maybe you've, you know, started one and ended one, (laughs) you've divorced or, you know, whatever, bad relationships, maybe you haven't found one yet, whatever, but you begin to not think that the version of you that you are is less than everyone else. It's kind of where you, where you wind up, you wind up comparing Smash the ticking clock. It will just make you compromise yourself. Don't compare your life and where you're at with friends. 
because the picket fence has splinters, and marriage and kids doesn't equal happy or successful. Everything in life that matters is hard, but what things of value isn't. You get to a point where you hate everything that, that you are or that you're becoming or become because it's not done. It's not there. Maybe you come against the realization of how much work is actually left to attain the things you've been working on. Maybe you realize your relationship is not a fantasy story. Maybe it requires work and you're just tired. Whatever it is. You know, everything in life that's good, that that matters, it's hard work. Anything of value is hard work. Nothing's easy, even if you want it to be. Purpose isn't a singular path where you ring a bell. (laughs) You will have many purposes in your life, and they will change as you change. And he goes on to, to say, treat yourself right, basically. You'll have many purposes. Things will change. You will change. You are not going to end up the same person you started in your adult life. You have experiences. You fall in and out of love. You fall in and out of friendships. You will probably have a different job than you started. You got to kind of roll with it. Work on liking yourself more than loving yourself because that's what really matters, that you like yourself. Because to love is a choice, but liking yourself is earned and requires a journey. You should spend some time meditating on that and dig into that. Um, Yeah, you read a lot of self-help things and they talk about love yourself, you know. But you really have to, you first have to like yourself, right? You have, to, you have to really dig the thing you're doing. You have to dig the direction your life is taking. You have to, like Alvin Ang says, find things that make you happy. And happiness is found through meaningfulness. So you're not going to like yourself if you spend all your time just mindlessly staring at a screen. You're not going to like yourself if you find if you find that you are in relationships with no depth because you're too scared to actually make friends with someone or because you're too worried about looking bad when it comes to trying something new. I mean, those are simply said, but they're all things we have to overcome. And I feel like the 30s is where you kind of go through those things. You get into your late 40s and you realize no one gives a damn. No one gives a shit. I think there's a saying that's like, um, like you spend your 20s worrying about what everyone thinks. You spend your 30s learning to not care what everyone thinks. You spend your 40s learning that no one ever gave a damn. And you spend your 50s learning that they don't even know who you are in the first place. Or something. I'm sure I killed it, but I like what I just said, so go with that. (laughs) All right. Shifting gears a little bit. 
uh, Coach Devine put his weekly in here. There are three rules in life. If you do not go after what you want, you will never have it. If you do not ask, the answer will always be no. If you do not step forward, you will remain in the same place. God, I love, I love Coach. Holy crap. Um, he has a way of just throwing it out there really simply and in, and in such levels of volume that he puts this stuff out. Um, uh, live boldly, ask for help when you need it. Always push forward one foot in front of the other. So that's the thing, right? If you're just, if all you're doing is dreaming, constantly dreaming, constantly daydreaming, constantly writing goals and constantly reevaluating your goals list and constantly making to-dos and then reevaluating the to-do list, you got to have action. You got to start working on that stuff, right? You got to go after what you want in life. I'm a big believer in putting things out in the universe, getting it outside of my brain and out into spoken word to another human being. One way to do that, um, it's, it might be weird, but you just, the next time you're around one of your one of your good friends or whatever, just tell them, I'm going to do this. And they'll be like, what? What did you just say? You just say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. And it'll probably start a conversation. They're like, what are you talking about? And you have to explain it and everything. But whatever. Put it out in the universe. I mean, if if you're, you know, put it on Facebook, man. You know, burn the boats, right? Like, just get it out in the universe. Get it outside of your head, outside of your heart, and out into the cosmos. A lot of times things come come to fruition. They come real. If you do not ask, the answer will always be no. That's true. I mean, part of going after what you want is going to involve other people, typically. You have to talk to them. You have to ask opinions. You have to ask if you can do blah. I mean, if you keep it inside of your brain, it's always going to not be real. The answer is always no. If you do not step forward, you will remain in the same place. Never quit. Never give up, right? If you have a goal, you don't have to do it in whatever short amount of time that you really want it done in. I mean, you can keep going. There's a great story. Um, uh, Jesse Itzler, I think, is the author. It's like a book called I Live with a Navy Seal or I Live the Month with a Seal or whatever. It's about David Goggins, and he goes and lives with this guy. He's like a startup CEO type guy. He goes and, and the guy wants him to live with him. He wants to teach him what it's like to, to think and live like a Navy Seal. And David Goggins, like, I don't know how, but he, like, agrees to live with this guy for a month or two months or whatever it was. And the story is like... um they go to do a workout, and Goggins is like, cool, you're going to do, you know, 500 pull-ups. And the guy's like, I can't do that. And Goggins is like, hell yeah, you can. You are going to do it. So they go out to the park or whatever, and the guy starts doing it, and he gets like 10 in, and it's like, you know, it's been like 20 minutes or something. 
And God's like, God, I, I'm not, I'm, I can't do 500. He's like, look, we're going to stay here until you get it done. And I think, again, I'm butchering the story, but I think they were out there for like five or six hours or something like that. And he finally did them all. And Goggins was like, see, you, you did it. You just had a preconceived notion of what doing it looked like. So you've got to take that first step. You've got to start moving. And when you start moving, don't stop moving. Don't stay in the same place. Life isn't hard. It's just making the decision to not stand still. <laughs> Hoo-yah, coach. I dig that. Um, again, this one's kind of all over the place. But here's another one from Jigoro Kano founder of judo reading his book mind over muscle he's got this cool quote to ask is maybe a moment of shame but not to ask and remain ignorant is a lifelong shame damn right i forget where i just got this from but i was reading another book Oh, man. Maybe I'll look it up if I remember to look it up. But it's a book on, you know, martial arts stuff, of course. But uh, the guy says, what is the right answer if sensei asks you about whatever? If he's, For example, uh, you know, uh, Seishan, it's a kata. So do you know Seishan kata? And you answer, uh, a little, maybe. Is that the right answer? No. What is the right answer? No, sir. Or yes, sir. Right? What if <laughs> you answer, yes. And you start and you screw it up. At least you did it. So just think about that. Think about what it is, right? Think about the actual life instance. If you don't know something, ask. I mean, are you scared to, to be judged? If you don't know a technique and your sensei is going to teach you, and you're going to pretend like you do, it doesn't make sense. To ask is a moment of shame, maybe. But to not ask and remain ignorant is a lifelong shame. It's better to ask and learn. Ask, get over yourself. Learn the thing. Then what? Pretend like you knew it? You ever heard that before? I know. I think I had a... I think I talked about this somewhere else. Um, my kids will say that. Be like, hey, you know, your room's getting kind of messy. I know. Today's the day to take the garbage out. I know. And I'm, in my head, I'm always thinking, well, if you know, why haven't you done it already? Like, what? what is the problem? Right? The answer isn't, I know. The answer it isn't to pretend you know. The answer isn't to just remain silent. Engage. Ask. 
It's not even shame. Just remove it. Learn and get on with it. I like that quote. If I start my dojo and actually get a building of my own, so right now I have a school inside of a gym. If I ever have a standalone dojo, or even, whatever, I don't know. I might paint this on the wall. I like that one. Last piece here. This cool post. There's a local guy here. I'll link it up. It's not really as much about that as it is, excuse me, the way he points it out. About Connor, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the McGregor Poirier fight. Poirier, po- how do you say it? McGregor, Connor McGregor, and Dustin Poirier. I mean, McGregor lost. <laughs> The post is cool. It's talking about um, you either win or you learn, right? So most people, most people quit. Whenever they're faced with a loss or something that sucks, they quit. I've seen it. I've seen it hundreds of times. When something gets hard, when there's something in your way you have to overcome, most people choose to quit. What do champions do? They learn. They learn from it. And then they come back and win. That's what makes them a champion. Most people make excuses. They rationalize. Champions learn the lesson, and they come back and win. McGregor's lost before. This is not his first loss. I think he has like four or five. So you should go and find, I'm going to try to link something up um, here. The post has it, but try to link something up quick that you can watch. Um, you can you can watch him. You can watch what he does. You can watch him taking accountability for what he didn't do to prepare. Accountability for his performance in the ring in the octagon. And you could t- and he talks about what he's going to change and come back and do. That's what makes champions. Think about it. In your own life. If you're at work and it's a bad day, maybe it's because someone out of sight of your control did some things. They pressed some control over you or, or, or messed with you or something. Do you just make excuses? Is that the excuse? Well, you know, it's that guy's an asshole. Or do you think about how you can approach that guy to change the narrative of what you just went through? You know? Like I have a I have this client that, you know, um they're always they're always changing things up, right? 
So we'll do like a, a fixed. I mean, we we have the we have the way we work with this person is we do like a fixed fee on a project, and what that means is I I get paid one sum, no matter how long it takes. So if if I'm getting paid for something, and it takes me ten hours to do it. Well, that's all well and good, but if I can do that same amount of work, but if I can get it done in an hour, well, then I get nine hours, basically, of, of profit, you know? And it's up to me to get it done faster. Whatever metric is used for profit, right? Whatever that is. And this person's always changing stuff up. So I could get mad and just call the person a, a dick or an asshole and, like, it's just how he is or she, or whatever. Or, I can change my approach to how I deal with these projects. I can change my approach by how I talk to this person. I can change my approach to the amount of detail I get out of them, or make them pull together before I start working on anything. I can change the approach to how I handle the deadlines to then make it remain profitable. Or at least profitable in terms of my happiness level of doing the work, right? Or I could just write it off as a bad client. That person's a jerk. Person's not a jerk. He's a very nice person. But see, that's one way you can look at it. I like that story. I like I like this post. I like looking at that McGregor. Whether you whether you hate him or, or, or love him, because he's a cocky SOB that had some serious problems. But he is a gracious loser. <laughs> it's, it's not that he's a gracious loser. He, he's, he's respectful, and he takes ownership, and I like that. So check that out. Try to listen to that. Um, I think you'll get some lessons out of that. So all right, that's, that's all I have for today. Um, hope this was helpful. Again, hit me up. Love to talk to you about some of this stuff. Let me know, and until next time. Get after it, y'all.